This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Joined the Freedom Fighters in Zimbabwe and it was from there that uh, I had to shout, there's no God, there's no God. Communism was the only answer. And the hatred for a white man began when I was so small, when I saw them beating my father. So this day when I was given this bomb to go and plant it, I had that passion to go and kill as many white people as I could. As we walked towards the bank, we saw this big massive tent by the roadside. And it so happened that it was from South Africa. And anything from South Africa to us was a taboo because of the white people, the way they tortured black people. And uh, there were about two, three thousand people inside singing praises to God. But we got there and I said, surround the tent in twos, every corner. And when I blow the whistle at seven o'clock, throw the bombs inside, and I want every person inside to die. If one person escapes, I'll give you a gift of a bullet in your head. He said, okay, Steve, we'll do that. I said, well, since we've got five minutes, maybe let's go inside for two minutes only to look at the people about to kill. So we went inside with our weapons in the paper bags, set right the last bench at the entrance like it was left for us. They were singing choruses, but my friends, we started singing out of tune to disturb the meeting. And one preacher came and touched my shoulder. I said, please, boys, keep quiet. And I pulled out my knife. I said, preacher, if you ever touch me, I'll kill you right now. And he left me. And all my gang turned towards me with shock of their life. And I said, what? Because they were surprised that I warned this preacher. I was that character when I pulled out my knife, I would use it. When I took out my gun, I would shoot. But they were shocked to see that I'd warned this preacher. They invited a pretty girl from Soweto to share a testimony. And that girl put me off balance completely because she was gorgeous. But the more she shared the testimony, she was, she was, you know, shining with the glory of God. And then she invited another black evangelist. And this man stood up and read two verses. Romans 6 verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. And the next thing, I was under deep conviction and I was crying like a little child. The whole tent looked backwards that this boy was crying. And I picked up my guns and my bombs and went forward. And that night was my turning point. As I was crying there, I said, Jesus, have mess upon me. I want to surrender my life to you. And the peace I got that night was unbelievable. No language can ever explain the peace and the joy I experienced that night. And that was my first time as well to, to laugh. And the following day, I went to the police to surrender myself. And after eight hours, they say, if your Jesus has forgiven you, we forgive you too. And my new Bible, which I was given by a police officer, 
I didn't know how to read it, but I treasured so much. God, with a sense of humor, used a white man to adopt me. In spite of the laws at that time that no black people could live in the white area, uh, you'd be arrested. So this man kept me for 15 years in spite of the laws and uh, helped me uh, to transform me to be what I am today. So he was the one who gave me the Senem Lungu. So I look at myself that God could you know, choose a person who was thrown away by my mother. Little did she know that the boy I'm dumping today would travel around the globe and you know, preach to statesmen. But, you know, God picks up a nobody and makes you a somebody. Now, can I turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss next Sunday? And don't miss the men's camp. Okay, so, ladies, say that to the men, okay? So, <clears throat> so Stephen is a father in the faith of this church specifically. He's one of our elders of the elders. Whenever he comes, he can tell us whatever he wants to. But um, he actually has this funny story of where he preaches at the Pentagon. And he says afterwards, this man walks up to him and says, Mr. Lungu, um, you know, can I have your notes? And he said, well, um, sorry, sir, can I have your business card? And then the guy just leaned over and he said, well, uh, the president of the United States doesn't have a business card. And he said, oh, I recognize that hat, you know, and it was uh, George W. Bush. So he said, it looks like a Texan hat, so always these funny stories. Great, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, that where we come together in unity, there you command a blessing. And as we bring our hearts to you, Lord, in worship, and we bring our lives to you, Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is at hand. Lord, your kingdom is in us, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you that we will leave not the same because of your word, not because of experience or emotions, but because of your word that transforms and changes us. And we just say we love you, Lord. We are hungry for you and hungry for your word. We want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings, being conformed to the image of your death. And we bless you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to be the breath of God to open the eyes of our understanding like we sang. Lord, let us see the Father in boldness because of the blood of Jesus today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. We are busy this year with a theme. So the first couple of weeks, we're talking about making or becoming obedient disciples that are rooted in Christ. Will you say that with me? Making or becoming obedient disciples that are rooted in Christ. Uh, thank you for your enthusiasm. Okay, half of you haven't even started yet. Let's say it together. Making or becoming obedient disciples that are rooted in Christ. These words are sometimes like loaded, but um, most, even churches like ours would sometimes do event church. We say, I'm going to church instead of I am the church and we are the church. The church is just gathering on a Sunday. So, if we want to do discipleship and if we want to embark on this journey of actually becoming true disciples of Christ, uh, because He's the one who disciples us ultimately, but also having a culture and a community that embraces discipleship, I've got 
a message this morning, and it's very simply, it's going to be messy. <laughs> okay, it's got nothing to do with soccer. It's going to be messy, okay? It is going to be troublesome. It is going to be tough, you know, because um, you have to decide if you are going to really embark on a journey with God. God always includes his family, and I love the local church. I've been here for so many years, seen so many things change. And sometimes there were highs and sometimes there are lows. Sometimes um, I get offended with you. I really get offended with you, you know, because sometimes you're going to get offended with me. And sometimes I'm going to say stuff. But if we want to say, I want to love God, then I need to love my neighbor. <laughs> and, uh, and then we embark on this journey where we get frustrated sometimes, we get challenged. And we're going to talk about that. But we have one decision. And that decision is how do we want the church to, what, what do we want the church to look like? And there's a couple of um, photos, if you can just throw, throw on the first one. I don't know if you've ever been in a maternity ward, okay? Um, maybe the second, the second photo. When there's babies around, oh, this is a student I took, of, uh, a photo I took of one of the students' rooms. This, no, no, I'm only joking. But I don't know any parents that left uh, some rooms in your house like that this morning. Not your room, your children's room. Any, any people like that. It's, it's messy, you know, and it's all over the place. You can see that kid played till they dropped, you know. So, so we have a decision between one or two things. Either we're going to embrace and be part of a group of people that are a nursery or a maternity ward. Or we can look like the next photo. No, not that one. The next one. And the next one, or a mortuary. Because in a mortuary, everything is cold, clinical, or everything is together. We, we dissect everything. We know perfectly what our doctrines are like. We, we sort of come to church because it's, it's nice. It's like going to a funeral service. You know, everything is printed out on the program. We sing our song. We do our respect and our honor. And then we go home. But the difference between the first one and the first photos is it's really messy, but there's life. The second group is there's just death. And we, we have to choose in our relationships and the way we do church whether we're going to embark on the first road where we say life or, or death. And we, we choose that every day in our relationship with God. Any parents here that has got children under the age of five? Raise your hands, okay? We'll, we'll pray for you afterwards, a special blessing. Some of them walked in here like, I'm coming to rest at church. I'm going to catch up on my sleep, you know. <clears throat> but it, it's amazing when there's a life. Have you ever noticed that, you know, you can never change a diaper of somebody else's kids, but your kids, you just go for it. It's smelly. Eventually, you persuade yourself that it smells like the most amazing aroma ever. But there's, if, you, if you have a family, you embark on this place and you say like, hey, we're all, all hands in, all hands together. Everyone is together. And so I want to I talk about this this morning and then we're going to take communion and we're going to trust the Lord to, to shake something in our hearts. Because if you're a Christian, then there's a couple of scriptures, there's four or five things I want to quickly share with us. In Galatians 6, verse 2 and 3, it says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. It's a, it's a powerful verse. It says, <clears throat> one of the commands of the Christian life is that we are countercultural. The culture out there says individualistic, just you, your family, just on your own, go and make a lot of money and then just like tell the world, sorry, I'm better than you. The Christian walk says, bear one another's burdens. That means that if Corey is going through something, her burden, I'm supposed to help carry her with her burden or the stuff that she's going through. Carry with Yoked together, not just with Christ, but with each other. And he says, because the problem is in the world and the culture in the world says, no, hey, you're thinking that you are somebody. You are thinking like, I've got a status or I've got a socioeconomic this or I'm from this race or I'm from this or I'm from this. The world says, hey, just divide and think you're better than others. And that's why he writes to the Galatians because the problem was in this church the people went back to the law and they thought like, oh, there's all these people from the outside, the Gentiles coming in. And now we must circumcise them and they must go through all the hula hoops and they must jump all this stuff before they qualify. At a stage, Paul writes and he says, who has bewitched you <laughs> that you actually go back to that because you just get more religious and then you keep people from a distance. So he says, don't think of yourself as somebody because you're already deceived if anyone thinks himself to be something. So that's where we need to start. If we don't approach church and relationships with God and with each other out of a place of humility, then there'll always be division, there'll always be fighting. And so I, I've got a little wooden board here. This means a lot more to me than what it would mean to you. I'm going to explain it now. But the story I'm going to tell is just between the two of us. So you're not allowed to share it with anybody else. Okay, is that a deal? Otherwise, I'm not going to tell the story. Dirk, is it a deal? Okay. Huh, Yebart, is it a deal? Okay. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Can you see? It's beautiful. Eh? I've got a daughter. And I'm doing driving lessons with her. She is a bit more emotional and extrovert. So yesterday as we were driving, I took this board with me. I clinged onto it. I quoted everything on you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Because at a stage, as we were approaching a tree, <laughs> the self-control went out of the car. <laughs> Break! That's what I said. Okay, but so, <laughs> but so this meant so much to me because my life depended on it and my future relationships. Yeah. How many of you ever taken your daughter for driver driver's lessons? Okay, hallelujah. Some people are smiling. Okay, if you're still planning. Rather just pay for it. Rather just pay for it. It's a sacrifice you must be willing to make. But how many of us know that if you are in relationships, you know, this isn't like, hey, there's nothing emotional about any of these fruit of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Long suffering, kindness, gentleness, 
self-control. Fruit is not given, it's grown. <laughs> and these are the things that will be tested if you're real about your relationship. These are the things that, A, when we begin to understand the other person and we begin to walk in real family and relationship, it becomes messy. And you begin to like, hey, bear each other's burdens. The easiest thing is to control and to keep from a distance. And so in Galatians 3.27, it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and is according to the promise. So... The amazing thing about our relationship is that God places us all together with different functions and different positions, but in Christ we are all equal. Never, never let the position or the function that you're in think that you're better than others. And we live in a town, we live in a nation where it's more divided than ever, and the church is the only answer. What is happening here this morning is a, is a miracle. People from different places, different countries, different all over the world, different ages. It's beautiful, and it's not supposed to work, but it's going to be messy. If you embark on a real church, real relationship, real discipleship, and that's what we're talking about, becoming disciples and making disciples mean that we, we can't do it from a distance. And so Paul wrote a lot of things to Galatians, but our motivation is always love. We place love first because of what Christ has done in our hearts. Listen to this in John 15, verse 5 to 3. It says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. You abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that scripture is absolute about, if you think of, your, of yourself to be something, you are nothing. Without God, you can really do nothing. <laughs> The culture today says, no, 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 you, you just bring your best to God and he's going to bless it. But in essence, as the human race, we are nothing. We can't make it on our own. We're supposed to be dependent on the Lord. And that's why our greatest challenge in our culture is our comfort, is our control, is the struggle we then have is to surrender and say, sure, I'm not going to be a consumer. I'm not going to be just a comfortable person. I'm going to embrace on this journey. And you know what? I'm not going to be in control. But how many of you are sometimes we control freaks? I, I, I want to determine the outcome. I want to know what, what's going to look like before I'm going to surrender. And so real surrender comes out of a place of trust, out of a place of when I was driving yesterday and I just said, I'm going to say nothing now. And you know how difficult it was. Especially when we went around the one corner. And I thought, this is it. This is 15,000 rand coming my way. <laughs> but praise the Lord. I had my hand on the handbrake all the time. But it's, it's you know, when, when you do life, don't expect it to be different than just in your family. How many of you would say in your own family, sometimes things get a bit messy? Come on, be honest. The same people that you love so much are the people that you want to kill every week, okay? They asked Billy Graham one day, they, or I think it was his wife, they actually asked her, have you ever thought about divorcing Billy Graham? She said, or he said, I can't remember which one it was, We said, no, never. Murder many times. <laughs> 
The challenge just comes when we come to church, we sometimes have a different expectation of church that it's not going to be messy. There's not going to be challenges. And so what people do is they rather choose the mortuary. They choose like, uh, uh, let, me, let me do church from a distance. And God has never called us to live in that space. Because we're supposed to be a community that are different than the world. And that's what he says. Listen to this. He said, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. It's called sacrificial love. The world focuses on emotional, experiential love, and if you look at the biblical definition of love, it's always the main primary focus of that love is sacrificial. God so loved the world that he gave. Now, we, we don't know that because, do you know what? Sometimes we all, we're hurt and we get hurt through life and maybe you're a bit older here today and, and life throws its stuff at you. And the reason for that just is very simple. It's to to rob you from your faith and from your innocence. So you, you get sometimes with these older people that are 80 years old and just a bunch of cynical, like, yeah, everything is falling apart. Everything is like this. Every, we hear it in our country as well. And then you get the same person, same age, and like, yo, you know, just like looking at encouragement and every opportunity. Why? Because they've not allowed their hearts to be hardened. They still have the same faith. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be 90 years old and still bungee jump if the body still can get it, eh? My dad the other day bungee jumped 40, 74 years old. I thought like, okay, I've got good genes, okay? I, I want to go for it. But see, see, the devil in the world robs us, and so the safest place for us to go to is to protect yourself, to always like, because if you're wounded and somebody comes close to that wound, the first reaction is, don't touch yeah, if you hurt your toe and you've hit it against something and it's blue and swollen and, and then don't, don't get close to my toe. Because if we hurt, we respond in a certain way. And that's why God says, hey, I, I want to teach you to have sacrificial love for each other, but it's not going to come easy for you. And that sacrificial love, you know, is by the fruit, not by your experience, not by your doctrine. So a lot of people escape into an intellectual pursuit with God or they escape into an experiential pursuit with God. Because they think, well, if I can just see more miracles, I'm actually going to love more. No, you, you won't. Or if I just know more doctrine, nothing wrong with doctrine, but if it's a knowledge, you'll just become a Pharisee. And so even theology is a study of God. Theology is great. All of us are theologians. But we've also seen very bad stuff come out of theology because there's no love. Are you with me this morning? Turn to your neighbor and say, why are you smiling like that this morning? You look like you're really enjoying this. <laughs> so in, in verse 11, I want, us, I want us to focus that God says, hey, I want you to remain in me. I want you to abide in me. 
And when you abide in me, you're going to bear fruit. But the reward of you bearing fruit and being obedient and connecting in that place of love is amazing. Your joy is going to be full. You're going to have such a joy. And there's, there's so many Christians that just have lost the joy of their salvation. They've lost the joy of following God. Why? Because the devil has got them right there. Where the culture determines who they are and how they should live. And so God wants you to live in a space of joy. And that is when you serve him, when you know him, when you follow him and you begin to bear fruit of that calling on your life. Wow, what an experience to, to say, yes, my joy is full. It means your joy can also be a half or maybe 10%. I don't know. But there's a fullness of joy in his presence, Scripture says. And so that's the invitation. Tony, I don't know, have you got that little video? I, I, this is one of my favorite videos of things that, you know, if you have a family... This guy thought he was going to lose his job because he had this interview with the BBC and things just got messy when the family gets onto the scene, you know, because we're all cold, clinical, we're trying to figure everything out. This is one of my favorite two-minute clips. I've watched it so many times. But watch the mother. Watch the slide of the mother. She is, she's, she's, she's perfected this. It is, it's just amazing. Don't watch the dad. Watch the mother in the scene. Okay, I hope you can, you can see there. It, it is just beautiful. Tony, we need to watch it again. We need to watch this again. Just show it. Focus on the mother. Just focus. She thinks nobody sees her. Okay, can you, can you show it? Okay. For the wider region, I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift, shifting, shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the north may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. For the region. My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policies towards North Korea have been severely limited. It, it is just crazy. This guy thought he's going to lose his job, and I think 33 million uh, views later, everybody in the world knows him, you know? But it's so, uh, hey, he forgot to lock the door, and it's an interview on BBC all over the world, and here it comes, you know? Little daughter, it was her birthday, so she's dancing. The nine, nine-month-old kid comes running in. It is crazy. It, it, it is like, hey, you know? <laughs> But isn't it such a beautiful picture when we, when we start to, like, not be in control, cold, clinical? And God is never destined in our relationships that we should be cold, clinical, religious with him. Why did God love David so much? He says, you, you're a man after my own heart. Was he perfect? No. Did he repent? Yes. But he had a repentant heart. Before he tried to sought himself out. The first thing was he went to God. He says, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. It's beautiful when we have hearts that are soft and open before God, and, and we've, we've learned also then to have that same heart to each other and towards each other. And if you want to be part of church, it will be messy. Yeah, we can keep each other at a distance. We can keep God at a distance and be in control. We can say, hey, we're doing this together. We're serving God together. 
And I want the best to come out of you. And I want the best to come. And I'm, I'm going to see the worst of you. But see, if we are vulnerable with each other, it means like hey, we don't need to pretend. We don't need to be hypocrites. And that's what the world is waiting for. The world is waiting for a group of people that would say, hey, we're not perfect, but we serve a perfect God. We serve a holy God, but he in essence is love. <laughs> and so that's the question. Every day when you walk out there, even into your business tomorrow, people are just desperate to belong somewhere, to find God's love somewhere, just for somebody to stop at the petrol station and say, hey, who are you? Where do you come from in Zimbabwe? When last were you at home? Can I pray for you? But see, we rush through our lives and then we forget that there's people around us. So just a tip, if you go and eat somewhere, go and eat somewhere at the same place every week. If you go and throw petrol into it at the same place, same time, every week. And then you start to build a relationship with those people. There's this place here in town close to our office where I go often and lunch, and I make all my appointments. It's very noisy there, but I know all the names of all the waiters. They call me the pastor of food lovers now, you know, for four years, but two of them have already come to church. The one just doesn't want to come to church, you know, says, no, 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 no. I say, that's like a band, man. No, no, but he doesn't want to come for the band. I said, no, you must meet James. He's a cool guy. It's going to be messy. The next thing and the last thing I want to talk about is the fact that in our relationships, we are at war. There's a war going on for your relationships and your growth in God, and you need to know that. There's a war going on for you to come to church on a Sunday and to be the church tomorrow morning. In 1 John 3, he says, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Why doesn't it say because we love God? Have you thought about that? Because we love our brothers and sisters. He says there's a world, there's a war in this world, and it's a spiritual war for your relationships. And there's going to be persecution. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.